then you can earn the upside, you can earn the passive income without having to operate the building, without having to have all the expertise, but also the, the intrinsic value of learning a little bit about what that operator is doing and where they're doing it and why they're doing it the way they are. Welcome. This is the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping others through real estate investing. Our hosts interview guests from all aspects of real estate investing who generously share valuable experiences and advice. Whether you're starting out or an experienced investor, this is the show for you. How's it going? My name is Travis Shelton and welcome to the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast where I interview guests who want to help others in real estate. We keep these podcasts pretty jam-packed, full of content and quick so that you can move on with your day. Today I'm super stoked to have on a guest that I personally know and someone that we uh, we ultimately had to walk away from a $7 million multifamily asset at the end of 2022. And so it's my pleasure to introduce Aaron Rocha. This guy has worked on over 10 million square feet of commercial real estate transactions all over the world. He's a father of two and the managing member of Multivestors Group based in Phoenix. Aaron, brother, how you doing? I'm doing great, Thanks man. for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. I'm just super excited to be here. Yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm pumped for this conversation. I love multifamily. You know it. So looking forward to a great discussion. But um, can you give our audience maybe your, your quick elevator pitch? Tell them a little bit more about yourself and your real estate business. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a syndicator. I look for value-add deals across the Western United States. I've been doing it for about two years now, or at least coming up on two years now that it's 2023. I've got a partner. I've got Ben Frauka, who's not with us today, but he and I are in lockstep on everything. So we're both managing partners uh, my career to get here has been a little different, but it's been 10 years of commercial real estate experience. Um, I've been a commercial office broker, which used to be a really cool thing to be and is really interesting, but maybe not as as uh, lucrative anymore now that we've got hybrid work environments and you and I are both on our home offices right now. So maybe the kind of writing's on the wall there. Um, but I've been the head of global real estate at Snapchat for four years while Snap was going through its unicorn phase. I got to fly all over the world and do leases and buy buildings on behalf of the company and, and ultimately find a place to house our 5,000 employees is how big the company was when I left. Uh, after that, I worked with WeWork for a while. I was actually there during the failed IPO of 2019. I have a lot of stories about WeWork that maybe I won't share today, but you and I could talk about at the bar next time. And um, yeah, I've just become like a jack of all trades. But what's always been important to me is I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and I knew at some point I was going to take all this great experience and cash it in and, and put my name on the company. And I'm finally doing that, and I couldn't be more excited about it. So like I said, I've got my partner, Ben, and I. We're both here in Phoenix, uh, and we're really doing it. We own 12 doors in the, the South Mountain neighborhood of Phoenix right now. As you said, we were working on, uh, on a $7 million, last, $7 million deal last year. That ultimately didn't go through. We walked away after the due diligence period expired. But uh, yeah, we think there's a lot of opportunity out there in 2023. Um, we're underwriting new deals every day as they hit our Dropbox, and um, we are net buyers for sure for the for the foreseeable future. So 
that's me. I'm sorry if I rambled a little bit and thanks again. Nah, for man, that was great. Uh, you needed a great job and, uh, just introducing yourself and what your company does. And, you know, we always start these podcasts off with some motivation. I'm a little already motivated by, by what you and Ben are doing, but, uh, can you share with our audience your motivational quote that you brought with us? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, my motivational quote is take the open doors and, I have no idea who originally said it. Uh, the first time I ever heard it, I was at my first job ever. I was a caddy in the small town of Marion, Massachusetts. And I'm sitting on the fence one summer. I must have been like 14, 15 years old. And one of the other caddies is like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to make that much money caddying this summer. I'm going to Africa. And my 15-year-old brain just like couldn't conceive like why would someone just just go on a trip to Africa? I had never heard of anything like that. Um, so I said, you know, why? Like, how come you're going to Africa? I don't even remember the guy's name. And I remember he looked at me and he said, you got to take the open doors. And it's just one of those things that stuck with me my entire life. And I've applied it a few different ways. When I was 18, I left small town, Massachusetts. I flew to Arizona and went to the biggest school in the country, learned a lot, never moved back to the East Coast, left here, moved to California. Uh, my story is just one of, I think I'm good at seeing where opportunity is and I, I like to take it. And that, by the way, works really well in, in multifamily value added investment. So trying to tap into that a little bit. That's my quote. No, I like it. I never heard it before, and but it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of us will, uh, we take the less the road less traveled or the hard way. And sometimes it's, it's nice to maybe take that easy way or that open door. So I really like that. Um, kind of changing gears into our main topic, Aaron, how can you help our audience of real estate investors? What's kind of your main take? You know, why are you here today to, to talk to us about? Yeah, you know, I think, I think, if I had one message, right, that could boil it all down, Travis, I think a lot of a lot of investors know that they should be investing in real estate and they, they, they know that it's a safe asset class. It's a great way to build wealth. Maybe they know some things about tax benefits or, or how you can roll money forward with 1031 exchanges and things like that. Maybe they've heard some of that stuff, but they're not really sure how to how to get their capital into the asset class. Right. I remember even when I was starting out a career in commercial real estate. I remember when I was in my 20s looking for like ETFs that were exposed, like BlackRock based ETFs and stuff like that. Like, how do I get into the American real estate market? Um, and, you know, honestly, the best way to invest is is through syndications, is, is get to know people that you know, get to know their deals, understand how the math works, become a savvy LP, get into doors um, and, and grow from there, right? Then you can earn the upside. You can earn the passive income without having to operate the building, without having to have all the expertise, but also the, the intrinsic value of learning a little bit about what that operator is doing and where they're doing it and why they're doing it the way they are. Um, there's just so much to it. So uh, I think working with syndicators is a great way, not only to you know grow generational wealth through real estate, which is the title of our podcast today, but also to learn a great skill that is going to help us, you know, hopefully all the way through retirement and beyond. I hope it helps my kids someday. For our audience that maybe is not as familiar with a syndication, what's kind of what's a general, what is a syndication? And you mentioned LP. What's an LP versus a GP? Just for those of us, you know, that maybe don't know what those terms are. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, so limited partner, general partner. Uh, the general partner is the person who I was just calling an operator. So somebody like me who knows the market, knows how to make real estate transactions, knows how to go get the money for the loan, how to complete a business plan, uh, but maybe doesn't have all the capital required to close on the deal, right? I will go raise that money from limited partners, LPs, 
um, to complete my transaction. And I will promise those LPs a return on their initial investment. Usually as a kind of a North Star, we're trying to double people's money inside of five years. So I'll give you an example. I've got a buddy that I went to college with who invested in my first deal uh, as an LP. I think he gave me 50 grand. Alex has two kids. Uh, they're both one and two years old, two little kids. And I told him, hey, man, if you roll this forward, right, if you reinvest these returns for the next 15 years, that's the college fund for these two kids. So um, it's a great way to help my buddies who, like I said, want some exposure to real estate, have financial goals for themselves and their families that they're looking to achieve, but uh, maybe don't have the time or don't have the expertise to go buy apartment buildings. Yeah, I find so many of my friends too and, and people that, that everybody wants to invest in real estate. They all know it's a good asset class. They all think it's sexy. Um, and then I always hear that a couple of things is like, oh, you're, you're a slumlord or, you know, there's always some negative connotation or they just don't know how to get going because they don't want to deal with those with the termites, tenants and, you know, toilet, you know, like the triple T's. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's one of those things that I've done limited partnerships myself. I've invested a couple hundred thousand in, in limited partnerships, and it's the best. It, it's great to get that mailbox money, passive income. Um, but I also love the operation side, and that's why I like to really focusing more on general partnerships. But with my self-directed IRA and some of my uh, retirement funds, I'm definitely investing as limited partner in these deals. So thanks for explaining that to our audience um, you know, there's so much out there regarding the market right now, uh, especially in Phoenix. You know, we just had some bad press come out about Phoenix maybe crashing. You know, what are what's your general feelings about the Phoenix market in 2023? And what kind of trends do you expect? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Thanks for asking me. Uh, I love to be the guy that gets to answer ones like that. So I think, look, Phoenix has been the fastest or the second or third fastest growing metro in this country year after year for the last decade. Um, and I think the, the reasons for that, if you double click on it, it's not because they're building more houses here. Actually, they can't deliver places to live nearly as fast as they can deliver as people are moving to this area, to the Phoenix metro area. Uh, it's because wages are growing here and it's because business is moving here. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of its policy, we have Taiwan Semiconductor building its Western headquarters in the Northern Phoenix area to the tune of, I think they just re-announced, is it $5 billion now they're spending on their Western US? Yeah, and um, you know, I was reading an article about that and when, when Taiwan Semiconductor looked at the United States and said, which states are candidates for this? It was really Arizona or Texas um, due to business environment policy, what they were going to pay for taxes and the climate was a big piece of it. And then I think at the same year the decision was being made, Texas had like its famous ice storm and the power grids went down. You remember that? I think Arizona really benefited from that. But that story is really common, right? Amazon has billion, or has millions of square feet here. Uh, Walmart, uh, any logistic company is setting up tons of square feet, either in the infill area of Eastern Phoenix, I'm sorry, of Western Phoenix or in the Southeast Valley. Um, and I think with those businesses are coming jobs, with those jobs are coming higher wages, the cost of living is a little lower here relative to our neighbor cities like Los Angeles and San Diego. Um, and I think a lot of people are attracted to living in the desert for those reasons. I mean, I know myself, 
I was living in California. I had a job in tech and I was ready to stay there until I had to buy a house. And then my wife and I said, well, we can move to the valley or we can move to the Inland Empire. And hey, it's 120 degrees there anyway. Maybe let's just go a little further east. And, and I think that's that's a really common thread, especially with the trends of people kind of moving out of the office like we were talking about. I think cities like Phoenix have benefited. Now, what do I think is going to happen in the future? I talked about supply and demand, right? So we've got a ton of demand, new new people, new families coming in the city, taking these jobs, and the housing supply just hasn't been able to catch up. Now, until I see some kind of analysis that says there are swaths of housing somehow being delivered to center metro city, right? I'm going to continue to believe that the core of this market is going to have strong demand. Now, someone way smarter than me once told me that there are there's no good times or bad times to buy. There are up markets, down markets. There are times of high interest rates and low interest rates. But the uh, the mentor I'm talking about, he said, there's no bad markets. There's only bad deals. And I, I really remembered that. He said, I've, Aaron, I've bought in good times. I've bought in bad times. I bought after 2008. I bought before 2007. And I've never seen a truly bad market. I've just seen bad deals. And so we're trying to stick to that. And like I said, we're, we're buying for the foreseeable future, man. Love that. I think that mentor has about 7,000 doors, right? Is that about right? I think you know exactly who yeah, I'm Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like listening to people smarter than me and, and uh, not being the smartest one in the room. And, and when an investor like that comes to the table and he's telling you that and educating you and coaching you on that, uh, to me, that's that's something to really listen to and, and uh, you know, heed his advice, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk so, about an open door. Every time my phone rings and it says Charlie Peters, that's an open door that I take every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You find a way to answer that phone call for yes, sure. sure. Um, well, so are you only investing in the Phoenix market or looking to buy or what other markets are you maybe interested in? Or do you think we'll do well in the, in the coming couple years? Yeah. You know, my, my kind of canned answer to this is Western United States, not California. Um, why not California? There's a lot of reasons. Um, I think California has been bought and sold many times. And I actually, I think there's still value there right now. I was talking to uh, an investor that I used to work with in my corporate life. Um, he's still buying commercial office assets in downtown Los Angeles, and he's getting great prices for them. Uh, downtown Los Angeles isn't going anywhere, but California is a tough market to just get into. I think what we found is the Sunbelt markets like Phoenix, Tucson to some extent, Definitely Las Vegas, um, definitely Denver, but Denver people realized a long time ago that that was a great market for real estate. Um, and I, I like Albuquerque too. So really the Southwest I'm a huge fan of. Um, I'll tell you what, if I really had my passion, I'd start go doing ski towns. Uh, but that's, I don't have the political clout to get that down at the moment. But uh, talk about who needs more real estate, right? Every ski town that I go to can't staff their can't staff their restaurants, can't staff their ski schools, can't staff the bars. It's because there's nowhere to live for less than a million dollars. And that's a huge issue. Um, I'd love to go solve that in places like Durango, Colorado, too. So Western U.S. Um, and I think that I think the metros that I named will continue to succeed. And I think some of those tertiary markets that I mentioned are going to see some really, really high levels of growth. Very nice. And I like that how specific some of those cities were. You know, tell me what was you know you went from this kind of corporate gig where you were doing these multi million dollar you know acquisitions and and leasings of spaces. You know what what was your aha moment? Or tell me about what made you really focus and want to transition to starting your own real estate business and 
focus on multifamily uh, from your corporate career? Yeah, that's um, it's really tough to convince yourself to take kind of that leap of faith, right? You know, I don't know if it was one moment. I, I think, like I mentioned earlier, my my entire career, I was aware that the, the point of what I'm doing working for somebody else was to gain the experience, be able to tell a story, and then be able to parlay that into fundraising. In, in other words, I don't think that I would have been able to do at 22 years old, fresh out of Arizona State University. I don't think I would be able to com- complete the type of business that I do today with multi-investors. I wasn't ready. I think that I realized maybe even a little late um, that I was, and nobody ever sits you down and tells you, right? I mean, the people that you're working for, for your W-2, they're kind of incentivized to keep you happy, but not pay you any more than a certain level. And, and you know, great job, Aaron, but they, they're sort of holding you down. You know, the CEO doesn't want you to compete for his job. Not that I was competing for CEO at Snapchat. Evan's got that on lock if anybody ever had. Um, but I think that when I started realizing around the time that I left Snapchat, I realized I had a cool story, right? And I had done transactions in all over China. I've done transactions in Dubai, which is crazy. You get to figure out how to get a business license and how to have an address and what kind of lawyer to work with. And I, you know, all over the globe. And and I knew that that was worth something. Um, I just didn't really know how to employ it. So spent some time with startups. I mentioned WeWork. Um, Spent some time trying to be an office broker again. And then really, I guess the moment for me was, when the global pandemic hit, right, March 2020, everybody, retail office closes their doors, hospitality closes its doors. After about two weeks of that and being an office broker, I think I think that was like, okay, man, it's time to do something different. And, you know, at this point, I had never done a multifamily transaction, but Ben had been getting into it for about a year. And, and I, you know, you meet people, you meet developers and stuff that maybe they do creative office, but they're also into multifamily. And... They're also into industrial. So you kind of rub up against these other asset classes and common thread, right? All over Southern California, all over the Southwest, multifamily, multifamily, multifamily. Those guys are doing well. Those guys are doing well. Um, so when when Ben called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I'm getting into multifamily investing. And Ben is you know someone who I really knew I enjoy as a friend. I hadn't worked with him yet, but knew he was someone I could trust, which is a major thing in, in forming a partnership like that. Um, I just decided to jump in and man, I wish we had done it three years sooner because I think I was ready three years sooner. But, you know, I, I try to live with no regrets. And, and the market that we entered in and when we got our first deal was a great hot market. Um, and I think we've, we've learned a lot watching the cycle kind of turn and, and entering 2023. I think we're going to learn a lot more. Yeah, definitely. No, great, great answer. And, and thanks for sharing that. I think there's always, there's never a bad time to enter the market, right? But I, I think the number one thing I always hear is the regret of, I didn't start sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone out there listening, if you haven't bought your first investment property, like right invest. Yeah, now's the time. Hi, my name is Chris Hallam of Simplicity Lending Group and powered by Nexum Mortgage. I'm a trusted and experienced loan officer who will work with you to find the best mortgage options for your needs. From first-time homebuyers to experienced investors, I have a wide variety of loan options and competitive rates, which makes me the perfect choice for those who are in need of creative financing. Contact me today and take the first step towards financial stability. Time to get into the hot seat. Are you ready for the final four hot questions? Yes, I'm excited about them. Hit me. All right. 
All right, man, let's get going. So what is one book you'd recommend to someone wanting to know more about real estate investing? Yeah, this book is not about real estate investing, but it's one of my favorite to recommend. I, I put The Wealthy Gardener by John Seforic. And the reason, or there are two reasons. The number one reason is because this guy got this book out there himself, bootstrapped it, didn't work with a publisher. And at the end of it, he says, if you enjoyed this book, please recommend it. So John, if you ever hear this podcast, We've never met, and this is me paying my dues right now. I'm recommending your book. But the book is about, it's about a young man and an old man. And the old man has had a successful career, and he's full of lessons, and he owns a winery, and he's teaching the young man how to run the winery, and then ultimately offers it to him and teaches him how to ask, how to get a loan. And, and there, there are some lessons for both of those people throughout the book, right? For I'm, I'm obviously personified as the young man. We all have mentors. But there's a great book for, for the gardener who's at a different stage in his life. And he's thinking about, well, what's important to me? And how did I get here? And how did I unlock my freedom, right? And he's really thinking critically about that so he can give these lessons positively to the young man who he's giving him to. And I just think it's such a great metaphor. He uses the winery as a metaphor throughout the book. And I think he just does such a good job of making me and, and other readers realize, you know, what does it take? How to look yourself in the mirror and realize what it means to work for less to earn more in the long run. Um, and I think that's a lesson that's really hard to teach. And, and the author does a great job with it. Very nice. The Wealthy Gardener. I'm going to have to check that one out. That is not one that I've read yet. So thanks for that recommendation. What's your favorite productivity tip or trick, uh, maybe a tool or an app that helps save time or that, that you just do in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah. Um, I Time stacking is a, is a skill that I learned early on in my career in finance. Um, I, everybody does this. It's, it's easy to sit down and say, I have a busy day. I'm going to make a to-do list and I'm going to write down all 25 things that I have to do. And I'm going to go check, 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 check as I get them off. And then you realize that you don't really go one, two, three, four. You kind of go like seven, nine, take the dog for a walk, three, 17, right? You just sort of like take the low hanging fruit. Then at the end of the day, you've procrastinated on the biggest, hardest things and you're kind of cramming them in. You're driving. Yeah. I was, I'm the biggest victim of that. So I, the, my first boss ever taught me to time stack, which is use your calendar, get onto Google Calendar, time stack out every 10 minutes. If it takes me 10 minutes to walk the dog and I have to do that, figure out that the best time to do that is at 7.50 in the morning and I'm back at eight, right? And put that on my calendar. Time stack my day every single day. I reorganize it as I'm going throughout the day. It's made me way more, way more productive. And this is coming from like, I am the quintessential millennial ADD kid. Like I had to learn, I had to learn how to, how to, bring order to my life in some way. And you do it by 10 minute, by 10 minute increments. I try not to do tens okay. cause just cause they don't fit evenly. Yeah. Right. Cause it's a sixth of an hour. I try to yeah. do 15s, but I'm doing 15s all the time. Very nice. No, yeah. I love it. Um, what's your biggest real estate mistake or failure and what did you learn from it? Yeah. I love this question. Um, and I, I kind of already mentioned this, right. But I'll, I'll just say it again and hammer it home. I wish I had started sooner. Um, nobody ever sits you down and tells you. Nobody tells you, you know, when you get to the point where you're 28 years old and you've got this much in the bank and this is where you're at with your relationships, right? Like there's there's no recipe for it, right? And 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 I think sooner we could always go sooner, but it's about feeling comfortable and being able to take risks. And I think as, as long as you're meditating on that, as long as you're aware of like the the full scope of like, what, how much life do I have left? And what do I plan to do with each stage of it? Um, I read somewhere that, you know, so the average American male lives to be like 76 years old, right? So that means I 
personally, I, if I live to the average, maybe I have 45 summers left. What am I going to do with all 45 of those? Um, I could tell you what I want to do with the next few, but it's, it's hard to figure that out for the long term. So if I had started earlier, I would have had more summers to buy real estate with. That's, that's my big, I regret. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That just break it down. 45 summers. We got some work to do, my friend. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> all right. And finally, if you could be remembered for one thing, Aaron, what would it be? Yeah. You know, I think, um, it says this on our website and I, I really meant it when I wrote it there. It's, I, I want to not just build the generation, the generational wealth for my investors and my friends and stuff. But I also want to leave an impact, right? I, I want to leave an impact on the cities where I invest and on the communities where I reinvest and maybe even on the people's lives. And sometimes that means the small things. I've talked to developers that buy frozen turkeys for their tenants every year on Thanksgiving, and it goes a long way with some of those tenants. It's a big savings. Um, and it's, it's not about buying turkeys, right? Maybe even just repainting the asset so that people feel a little bit better when they come home every day or making sure that the lawn is mowed or it's, it's lit at night so that it's safe in the parking lot, right? Leaving those, those buildings behind and leaving those tenants that live there behind in a better way than I found them would be a, a very, very honorable way to be remembered. I mean, I hope when I'm gone, I hope people say it looks like I had a good time doing that too. But it would mean a lot to me if I could positively impact a few lives. No, that's awesome, man. And, and I know it's genuine. I, I know it's coming from your heart. So that's, that's really great. Um, so if you're interested in knowing more about Aaron or Multifamily Investor Group, uh, you can reach out to him at Aaron at multiinvestorsgroup.com. And we'll include uh, his email address and his website for his business uh, in our show notes. Please re reach out to him. Uh, really uh, great guy, great team with Ben and uh, someone that obviously I was willing to partner with and we are looking to partner. Uh, if, if we see more opportunities uh, moving forward in the multifamily space, thank you so much for joining in today. Hope you guys learned a little bit about uh, apartment syndications, a little bit about limited partners and general partners, and that everybody in this space regrets not starting sooner. If you're interested in real estate investing, I hope this podcast helps you. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Take care and God bless. Until next time, peace. Thank you for listening to the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast. Check out our website, hotrei.com, for additional content and resources. And please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review so we can continue to bring even more value to others through real estate investing.